So this is a quote from Key Erica. The main reason why I tell my story, I call it getting naked. Main reason why I get naked in front of audiences and I let people see my vulnerabilities is that anybody can be a victim, anybody. I was a girl who got all A's in school. I wanted to go to the Air Force. I was in ROTC. I just didn't have parents at home that loved me, but I had a dream. I wasn't some bad kid that a lot of people thought. Anybody can be a victim, but it takes love and a community to make that victim into a survivor. And that's the difference between me and a lot of other people is that I didn't let my victimization leave me as a victim. And I'm still fighting. And I'm going to continue fighting until there's no longer a breath in my body to fight for survivors. And not just survivors of human trafficking. And I hope that hearing my story encourages people. If you're not going to at least support the cause, support your family. Hug the little girl that's alone. Play with that little boy who wants to play. And just let your kids know that they are loved. So that there's not men like my trafficker that can come in and use and abuse them. That is quote by quote by Key Erica Martin. Listeners, welcome to Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made to headlines, maybe they weren't believed, and you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us and remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the the greatness about our community and we know the struggles of our community. And I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us. You are worthy, you know, and you are, you're precious, you know, you're beautiful. And in spite of what you're going through, of what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future. It's just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that. And there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth, and it's the key to somebody else's chains. You matter, and your story matters always. You're you're taking the voices of the unheard, and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. Hi, everybody. It's Victoria um, from Unseen. I know we've been 
sort of lacking in our episodes. We used to like bang out every Friday, then it became like every other Friday, and now it's like every month. Um, but I have a special, special episode today, and I'll, obviously you guys know if you're listening that I do not do the best, and I feel like it's just not the best service that I can provide when I try to introduce the guests. Um, so I will allow them to um, do it themselves, but before I do, um, they are going to offer a unique perspective on today's episode, and can't tell you, can't wait to tell you what that's going to be. So, who I have with me today? Hi, it's Mal and Dale. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so we are um, the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mal and Nao. We are um, the duo millennial therapists that cover true crime. Um, oh my gosh, it's been such a while, huh? True crime, paranormal, social work, and um, forensic psychology. So we are both licensed clinical social workers. I, Mao, am licensed to practice out of Hawaii, Guam, and Massachusetts. And Nao is also um, um, independently licensed in Texas. And in our podcast, we do something kind of similar where we talk about different specific cases, but we do it in a space where we explore the what, how, why as much as we can. And most of the time, we're just raging at the oppressive systems that that really <laughs> perpetuate a lot of what has happened. So we're so excited to be here. Thank you, Victoria, for having us on um, and really being part of this conversation that is starting to get out there, but is not talked about enough. So I appreciate your, your efforts. Yes. I am so excited to like have professionals on. <laughs> I'm getting so giddy. You're professional. <laughs> I, you know, I'm professional, right? But I seriously am more like the mama who's like the side, like I'm going to be in your ear. You're going to remember me, but like, <laughs> don't try to sue me because I did not tell you to do that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, um, we're like all allegedly, in my opinion, also like I am not your exactly. we are not your therapist, boo boo. <laughs> I'm not your therapist, but I'm licensed. I love that. Yeah. No, and I do appreciate your perspective, and that's exactly why I wanted you both on today. Um, not just because you are fellow true crime podcast lovers, also mm. an enthusiast and um, you know, specialist, because this is a unique niche that you have, and when I try to have like, you know, different allies on, I do want it. I want everyone to kind of feel comfortable and why I welcomed, you know, mm. um, other folks on and you coming from this perspective, obviously I used to want to navigate my whole entire career in forensic psychology too, but then, you know, the social work part came over more mm -hmm. and then the activism came in more and more. So it kind of deviated around the therapy piece, but one thing I do understand, and that's why your podcast is so important, both of you, is that the clinical piece, the therapeutic piece, the healing journey, mm -hmm. um, and just kind of like analyzing the different um, traumas that could have, um, you know, been associated with this crime and or other instances where people totally don't think that that's a part of the situation at hand. Um, right. And this is why we are definitely talking about our um, survivor today. 
And before I introduce her, I didn't know if Nail wanted to say anything um, as your co-host for your podcast. Um, no, just thank you so much for letting us be part of the space. And, uh, and I'm really excited to talk about uh, today's case. Uh, so it's just really appreciative of you and in this space. Thank you. Yeah. And um, also, you all know my podcast. I try to say the most <laughs> appropriate things, but y'all know if I have guests on because we relate in a lot of ways. So, you know, you might love their podcast and you might not want to hear their podcast, but today you're going to hear <laughs> from both of us and this is our space. So just Thank a little you. like warning or like trigger warning for the folks that might not be ready and, you know, um, expecting something else. Okay. So enough, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to prepare <laughs> y'all anymore because now I'm about to go in. Okay. Today. Okay. I want to start off by saying that I really, really want to remind everyone. And my goal was to have survivors speak. And I had been putting the case of Alexis, he, Erica Martin, on hold because she was getting a lot of attention in 2021 based on, you know, like different cases that were happening, like with Centoya Brown, she was granted clemency. And then we had the situation with Crystal Kaiser, but Alexis Martin was freed. Um, and now she's resurfacing and I'm not able to have her on the podcast um, and this is because she is currently incarcerated and is why it's really important for us to talk to our lovely guest today, um, because a lot of people had already been writing comments and different posts because of her, um, situation and just not totally understanding the realness behind what could happen. So I hope that we not only tell you about her case and cover the case, but also like the little nooks and crannies to understand like leave that kind of side stuff on the back burner because because if you don't know you really don't know and it takes you as a community to just really trying to do your your research and 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 listen to podcasts like our episode to kind of really know the struggles that she's facing and the journey of different survivors um and they also um don't know the case so it's really good to not expect oh you guys are just talking about it from your perspective because you've been following it and you know the case no they don't so you know a lot of your feelings might be shared with them as well so we're going to have an open conversation once i tell you a little bit about the the um story and tell you the pieces that i want to share through unseen because she isn't here to tell you her story um because there's so many articles we were just talking about that's out there that were written um, and there were uh, two uh, episodes that, uh, two articles, one was a lot from her, a quote from her, and then one podcast episode she was featured on. So I'll get into that um, later. But yes, I'm going to also remind everyone that her name is Alexis Keith, Erica Martin. Um, and after I heard her episode on the one podcast that I will share. She wanted to be called Key or Key Erica. And she referenced this because this is her new journey. Following in that name is leaving her past, the Alexis part of her um, behind. So throughout this episode, we'll reference her as Key or Key Erica. 
So I'm going to get into the case, y'all. I'm going to try to give as much information as I can from like the beginning, but mm-hmm. I don't want to talk too much about like the injustices Actual in stuff. the criminal yeah. system. Yeah, sure. like the injustices of like the criminal system and the legal system because y'all know all them articles kind of featured that shit. They kind of featured the writing. They kind of talked yeah. about how the legal system messed up. They talked about how the detectives were just so like just disgusting totally. during the mm-hmm. interrogation mm-hmm. like she was freaking 15 yeah um absolutely so i do want to highlight a lot of the trafficking stuff and just and just feel free to like ask me any question throughout the time because you don't know if you're questioning someone um else's that would be listening mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know that doesn't have that needs just a little bit more context yep okay. sounds good. all right thanks sisters and i really do feel supported so i'm gonna just kind of like go in yeah <laughs> So really my goal for Key was to be able to share her story. Again, like I said, um, she wasn't on a lot of podcasts. Her case wasn't covered on a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, she did have some headline stories from like People Magazine and like BuzzFeed. Um, but that was like for her, or her not her earlier case, actually. I think it was for her recent situation. But ever, even so, she was, um, you know, her case was looked at by Kim Kardashian. So I thought that that would at least you know, put a little bit more attention to the matter. But again, it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And here we are looking at articles that are kind of like breaking down, you know, this situation instead of learning more about the context from before. So in trying to do justice and sharing her story, I wanted to talk about the two really good podcasts that presented as a victim-centered and even a survivor-informed approach with one of them, The Wrongful Conviction, that was episode 194 and it featured Kierica and that was in April of 2021 that was released. And then the other episode was on Court Junkie and that was episode 166. And that one actually featured the Washington Post journalist who reports on social issues and her name is Jessica Contrera. She actually covered her case um, when it happened in, uh, I believe, 2021. And then she just wrote the other piece this year when Kierka got arrested. And when she was talking on the Court Junkie podcast, she really had a lot of context because she interviewed her mm-hmm. and, um, you know, really got to know her. And this is where she really, like, gave a very good, like, victim-centered approach right. um, because she kind of gave the backstory of her situation, which I'd like to kind of start off with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not uncommon to have a his significant history of trauma, like significant. Mm-hmm. And this is Kierica's situation. Um, she was raised by her grandmother on and off, and she was like going to school. Um, but throughout her years, um, she experienced homelessness. She was a kid in the foster care system while her mom was incarcerated. Both of her parents struggled with addiction. She is a girl of color. She's biracial. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several allegations of sexual abuse, one by her stepfather. Um, and um, she actually was um, reported to the reporter, Jessica, that she was um, being sexually abused uh, by her cousin for a couple of years, like raped mm-hmm. continuously by the family member. Um, and then sadly, she got pregnant at 12 years old by a 16 year old. And yeah, he got convicted though of statutory rape. Mm -hmm. Um, And the sad thing is, is that she, she um, kept the baby, but she lost it around four and a half months. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, she became like seriously depressed. Um, yeah. There were also like suicidal attempts where she um, was reported to have tried to drink bleach. Mind you, she's 12. She just lost the baby. She's been raped since she was about nine years old. Mm-hmm. No one believed her at this point. You know, she wow. doesn't I'm, at this point. I'm not thinking that, you know, and we'll get into it more. But, you know, as as we want to feature your, you know, your guys expertise and knowledge, like this is a, a very, very important part. And we'll reference the key things with her being neglected and being sexually mm-hmm. abused and all of the indicators of trafficking too, but also how the system was not supporting her. Right. Even when the family can't. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So we stopped at her being 12. Right. And she's like seriously depressed. So at 13, well, she started seeing this, this guy, Deshaun. So Deshaun must have, um, you know, dated her around 12, 13, but they had broke up at, at around 13 when her, when she was almost 14 years old. But soon after her and Deshaun broke up, she meets this guy, Angelo. Welcome to the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Nao. This podcast is hosted by two millennial therapists who are true crime, forensic psychology, and macabre obsessed. This is not your typical mental health podcast where only mental health and social work topics are discussed. We dabble in various topics from cultural humility to military mental health to ghosts to interesting ways our parents use the paranormal to discipline us. Ed Kukui, anyone? <laughs> Why so many topics? Because we're millennials. To make things more interesting, one is an Air Force veteran and a mom of two, the other is currently serving active duty, and both are children of immigrants working to honor their ancestors. Now, Angelo is the one who we talk about in this case who was killed. Angelo at the time had to be about 34 years old because he was killed. Right, exactly. He was killed two years later. And in the reports, he was 36, Mm -hmm. right? So so she meets him and y'all know he already like started grooming her. Because yeah. there's no reason why a 34-year-old man needs to befriend or support or take care of right. a 13-year-old. And my, from my um, understanding, too, was that she had ran away from home prior to that and mm-hmm. then came back and was, like, looking for her specific friend. And that was her friend's dad. Yes. Like, so she was, like, a classified yeah. as a, quote-unquote, chronic runaway. Right. But Which, why the fuck wouldn't to- you? <laughs> exactly he had two teenage boys so clearly one of them was his friend i mean one right. of the boys was was her, her friend, friend. Mm-hmm. yeah so can you imagine like what you just said like she couldn't count on nobody else but one of her teenage friends and then right. he swoops her up right and i remember her reading yep and i remember reading somewhere that she said that um she saw him as like a father like he was mm-hmm. super nice to her prior to all of this like before her running away and stuff she's like oh i saw him as like fatherly mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. that that noise happens to her where yeah like right predatory 
Right, exactly. And you know, her idea of the father figure, what she saw, he probably was giving to her in that role, but also grooming her, right? Because not only are you giving her a place to stay, but you're like, and you're meeting her basic needs like a father Mm -hmm. should, right? Mm -hmm. But she sees the lifestyle that's accepted, right? She sees he's still hustling. Mm. She sees that they can eat steaks for dinner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He sees that he accepts her, you know, situations in the past. Um, yeah. At this point, I'm not sure if he's um, technically abusing her or raping her sexually yet. Right. I mean, uh, sexually abusing her or raping her yet. But right. they did. They did say that um, right before this too, when she was looking for like this for for a place to stay with him. I mean, looking for her friend, she mm-hmm. had like got out of like detention center or something because of the mm-hmm. chronic runaways which is not uncommon we get a lot of girls that you know go to detention and then they get placed at like a shelter or right. or they want to run you know run away from their foster home so she mm-hmm. probably was looking for him but there was another guy who um she had got drugs from before and he was like you need to pay me back and he got her started working at a freaking strip club oh no at like 14 yes at, yes yep exactly right exactly so I'm not it doesn't say like exactly how he met her but Mm -hmm. at this point I think Angela was already hit to that that she was returning the favor by stripping in that Mm -hmm. club so that's Mm -hmm. like an indicator you know right there oh yeah um yeah but even in her interrogation she did call him dad she Mm -hmm. even said I set up my dad and she even said something like my dad is running an escort business Mm mm-hmm so it's just kind of like that fatherly figure stayed, but then it's not uncommon too that the traffickers are called daddy also. Right. So the the prop the prop the investigators are probably just like this is just a child prostitute, especially mm-hmm. she's a girl of color and mm-hmm. um you know the adultification that comes along with everything. It's Absolutely. just yeah, it's just crazy. But yeah, she was he was probably 34. Um she was 15 in 2013, and she was a 10th grader. Um, yeah. and, oh, and Angela also had just got out of jail. So mm. <laughs> he had just got out of jail. They probably were like, let's support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, th- so then this happens. Yeah. And, and it's like <sighs> heartbreaking because she literally had no other choice. N- not, not to say that she voluntarily went into sex trade, but like mm-hmm. she literally had no other support Mm -hmm. so he was one somebody that she already knew and of course and and this is and this goes to all groomers perpetrators and traffickers is that they give they give the survivor everything that they want at first right like Mm -hmm. because she she was a kid with like hella street smarts yeah if he was Mm -hmm. aggressive to her she'd be like nah bump that and then you know peace but Mm -hmm. he was probably definitely you know grooming her to where he was like you know i got you i'll take care of you and and i think at first it was a very like like caretaking role that mm-hmm. he provided her and then you know once he get, gets her which a lot of traffickers do is that they like well i did this for you so now you got to pay me back mm-hmm. and it's, it's, and that's when she gets caught at all mm-hmm. yep and that's when she gets caught up and mm-hmm. you know 
it's like you said, it's the perpetrators, the abusers, the traffickers, the groomers who proposition these things instead of just providing. Right. Um, and, and it's not, it, and it, and it takes them to know that these vulnerabilities had already existed and they just continue to feed off of it. Totally. And, and her being intelligently smart, like, like academically smart has nothing to do with her not being vulnerable too, right? Like, mm-hmm. because she is again, a, a kiddo that was not, that, that did not have the, the, affection and a sense of safety like we are wired human beings are wired to connect and to survive and we will do whatever it takes to survive right and that's why we have all these defense mechanisms for us to get through um hard situations so resiliency if you think about resiliency resiliency is kind of a like fancy word to say like I survived a lot of shit <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and you know, homegirl survived a lot of shit. Unfortunately she had to, um, but that does not leave her not being vulnerable. And I think, you know, we'll go into her at 2021 where she is mm-hmm. now of continuing to be. Um, and I, and I, I don't want to use this. I don't want to call her a victim, but she's a victim of the system because the system yep. is, has not taken care of her. Um, and, and she's also a victim of oppression of Mm -hmm. the social or of the justice system and Mm -hmm. of, um, just, yeah, law enforcement and all that stuff. So yeah, I I won't jump ahead, Victoria, but I just wanted to make a note of that. Yeah. And I would say that if there's like a risk factor where she was already, uh, a survivor of sexual assault and there was already guilt and shame and this person mm. is explaining her vulnerabilities it's not that she wasn't making good choices she didn't have good choices mm-hmm. already there yeah. hell like, yeah what, what are you supposed to do so like mouse yeah do you, you are, mm-hmm. you're thriving off survival even in the worst of circumstances mm-hmm. and so um I think about like at that age, developmentally, emotionally, she's supposed to be exploring her identity, right? Mm-hmm. And so far that's being dictated for her under under abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 it makes sense to me, like, and we're here not to judge or criticize anybody for their mm-hmm. decisions, especially when their lives are literally being threatened. Not just hers, mm-hmm. but I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more, but mm-hmm. kind of how in those circumstances, even your family's life is at risk and they exploit that as well. Cause you know, they know that you love them and you worry about them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And just how you guys mentioned resiliency and then survival and just not having the tools and the toolkit everybody talks about with being able to even make a good decision when there's not even decisions that are good to make from, it's like choosing from worse to worse right you take the knife for the gun right exactly (laughs) like well shit i guess i don't know yeah exactly there's no balance here right yeah exactly um and and that kind of goes into how we're i I hope that we can do the justice of telling the piece of the crime Again, 
just everybody, I'll put it in the show notes, but I'll send links to, I'll, I'll probably send more links to the Washington Post two articles, and then I'll definitely reference the two other podcasts because they are wonderful people. Um, the mm-hmm. wrongful conviction, you will be able to directly hear from her and about her her case and then even the um court junkie episode talks directly um, on what she shared with jessica to do the actual report um, in her interviews but i want to just take it to the the time of the incident when she was speaking to the interview I mean, speaking to the investigators during that so-called interview, she was freaking alone. Mm -hmm. And there were like pictures that make me cringe right now. Like she legit looked like a freaking child. Mm -hmm. She fucking had on heels. And when they said, when they keep saying heels in these damn articles, they're not like they were like stripper heels or like, like walking heels. It looked like it was like closed toe, like, Mm -hmm. like a heel I would be able to wear to work. Like Like, it wasn't even... Yeah, yeah, it wasn't even like that that bad. But the point is that they walked in and somebody and even one of the reports says she walked in and was like, oh, she definitely doesn't look like a woman, but she's dressed too bad, like just differently than a little more mature. Yeah, that's what they said. Right. And it was like she even called for her mom one time. And Mm -hmm. it was like she was she was and she's such like a child because she even said, like, I know my rights but I don't know how to enforce my rights because how oh. I know my rights is from criminal minds. I was like, Oh my wow. God. Oh my God. Like she was just so alone in there. And it was yeah. like, it was at one point when she even like says that she threw up mm-hmm. and like nobody came in, you know, they're fucking watching her. Yeah. Like, yep. And, yeah. And I think that was in court. Junkie. Yep. I think yeah. that was in the podcast where she had like, like one of the first things she said was, is my mom coming? Mm. like heartbreaking and then mm. is what a child asked like mm-hmm. literally right like and then yeah and then there was a point where she then I don't was it after she had said I did I don't know I don't I I, I don't have I could not watch it to mm-hmm. be honest like mm-hmm. I could not I could yeah. not bring myself yeah. to yeah. um <laughs> but I know they spoke about yeah how she did she got you know she got sick and nobody came she was literally cleaning it herself mm-hmm. yeah so a key, a few of the key things that she mentions in the um, interview that stood out to me was she reported that she knew mm-hmm. about the robbery, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a few times when even the, re- the Washington Post reporter, and she said it herself that she knew about this robbery because it was going to be an opportunity for her to escape. Mm. That is key freaking language right there. Mm-hmm. And Deshaun had even told her that he would use the money from the robbery to help her get to another state to wow. leave. And that's like the biggest thing is trying to exit the trade. Like mm-hmm. she had mm-hmm. no support already. So here comes Deshaun, who is her ex-boyfriend. But when she was 13, <laughs> like, right. you know, and he's probably got his own lifestyle going. He actually reached out to her because he had heard that she was quote unquote prostituting herself mm-hmm. and he was just and she even denied it she was just like no I'm not I'm like yeah. a stripper I do right. dance or whatever but when she actually started to say like oh but I want to I could help you she probably didn't give him all the details but you know of she course. probably was like I can help you set this guy up um so 
she 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 had this party. Now, a lot of the reports are basically saying that um well, I'll just tell you what she said. She said mm-hmm. that she did set up this party. This was not uncommon. And mm-hmm. I'll get to tell you guys more about these type of parties, but they had arranged this party and she had invited another girl another woman. Thank goodness she was 21. So mm-hmm. they invited another woman and she invited another woman and this woman knew about the plan with Deshaun and Deshaun's friend to rob and it's not uncommon to do what they were going to do which I'll, I'll talk about later so I'm going to talk about that the robbing piece and I'll talk about the parties but um it's so disgusting because at the party was Angelo because it was at his house Angelo and Angelo's brother mm-hmm. um I don't remember seeing Angelo's brother's age, but I don't care because he's probably a grown ass man anyway. Oh yeah, he was definitely not like a teenager. I want to <laughs> say he's like twenty one or something. Like okay, extremely, okay. it's still she, illegal. Yeah, exactly. Because she's still fifteen. <laughs> yeah, like so, like literally, mm-hmm. the other woman is li- literally having sex with Angelo, mm-hmm. and um, Key is being raped mm-hmm. by the brother in another mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. So the plan was for them to get, you know, to set up them being robbed, but Angelo is found literally naked on the carpet with two gunshots to his head. And Angelo's brother survives a gunshot to his head. So there's all those reports that you guys can read about whether, you know, they intended to shoot them or they not intended to shoot them. All I know was that Key talks about being very scared and like looking for her clothes and just leaving. And they were supposed to meet up later to get the money and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But she heard word on the street that the police were looking for her. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when Angela's brother survived, he had mentioned her name, Alexis Love, Mm -hmm. being a part of it. Yep. Um, And the detectives were so fucking pissed because they already were looking at uh, a crime that happened two months ago with the same with the actually they said the exact situation it was two masked gunmen coming into a house with two women engaged in whatever they were doing mm-hmm. to set the, the the people up that they were robbed and they did rob them they got mm-hmm. like thirty five hundred dollars from that and yeah. it's believed that it was possibly Deshaun and oh. the friend mm-hmm. so I guess my question was and I haven't seen it in reading it but like you know, this in, in, in this discussion and in, in, in this episode is not like, did she do it? Did she not? But like, right. Did she not like, did them two take it too far? The, 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 the males, did they take it too far in this situation? Right. Um, you know, I, it does it, it's actually, you're right. It's not actually really talked about. And I didn't like look into the situation, um, because they were, it sounded like the, that Angelo and his brother were actually engaged in sex. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they, like, how did it escalate? Like two, right. Exactly. I get, I get what you're saying, Yeah, you know, and with, with, with so much respect to, um, SVU law and order, they mm-hmm. actually had an episode where something similar like this happened. Really? Yes, they did. Um, and with respect to them, when I say that is because they do get consulted, um, yeah. by survivors. Yeah. So, but in that episode also, it wasn't planned to, um, shoot mm. them, but the, the gunman just automatically. Cause I wonder, went, and again, off. this may, mm-hmm. this may be crossing the line of like our podcast that like, <laughs> if that was his ex-girlfriend, right. Like somebody that he cares about, mm-hmm. like that's his homie. Exactly. Like, 
to know mm-hmm. and this is a person that's been harming her but exactly yeah, that, that was just kind mm-hmm. of on my end like how the hell did we get here no but that's why I love that you guys are on because of that piece and you know what it, it takes you know folks like you to kind of look at that piece because you're right what made it escalate when they could have just robbed them and yeah. it is hurtful because the detectives even, the police even said that they didn't, they couldn't believe what they seen. It was mm. like a whole freaking stripper pole in there. Um, it was believed that, you know, he right. sold heroin, he sold weed, he sold so much. Like it wasn't, it was a rundown freaking trap house. Mm-hmm. And you got this 15 year old girl living up in there mm-hmm. and multiple men going in and out of there for drugs and, and buying drugs and buying sex. Mm-hmm. And your victim, your survivor here in this picture is a freaking 15 year old. Your quote unquote perpetrator that you yeah. are holding in your interrogation room mm-hmm. for hours without mm-hmm. a lawyer is a 15 year old child. Like mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. So yeah, that was, I was just curious about that. And um, I don't know if you want us to kind of go into kind, like, even if she did, right. Like even if she did set them up, I can see why. Like, I'm gonna, yes, my yes, my exactly. personal opinion. No, hold that piece. Yes. No, I would love for you guys to hold that piece because <laughs> that is coming. Um, um after especially I want to describe the why too. Like okay. I'm it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, especially with how we just started, that she was trying to find a way out. Yeah. Like, I mean, at any point. Even if she, even if it was brought up, she didn't pull the trigger. She mm-hmm. didn't buy the gun. She yeah. didn't have her name on that bullet. It was never referenced through anything that mm-hmm. that was even discussed. And even if it was, like you said, Deshaun could have been, um, you know, a good guy saying like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this was, it just was an escalated situation. It was yep. never planned. It was just robbery. situation that we're talking about too that I wanted to just kind of reference for the the anti-trafficking community Mm -hmm. was the safe harbor law was literally Mm. enabled 17 months prior to this and the thing with laws are that if you don't got the manpower and the people that know what the fuck they're doing to be able to enact these laws it is purposeless this law was supposed to protect a case like keys like seriously if you wanted to make a law like this who the hell were you thinking it was going to be about oh my god i got rich white girls yeah (laughs) i got stolen in a van and i got in a driver's seat i ran him over no Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to look picture it's not black and white Mm -hmm. it's not black and white it absolutely isn't and even like we said we brought up so many times when she tried to get the police's um you know idea behind trafficking which was he's a pimp he has an escort business. He called, he told me I was going to be his madam. She literally party. said it. Yeah. Ugh. In, in the, in the video, in the interrogation, they, she literally said like, like I'm being prostitute prostituted. Mm-hmm. I think yep. it's like, she literally mm-hmm. said the words like, you know, I do escorting. Like she even said, I do it. Like, Mm-hmm. to to multiple right and i will and mm-hmm. now and i will be the first ones to shit on social workers <laughs> that don't do their ethical thing right and and this mind you this is not in the 1990s like this is 2012 12, yeah. 2013 2013 2013 mm-hmm. like 
there was Mm -hmm. a social worker that she saw Mm -hmm. and that was a probation officer there was a and there was there was a court psychologist Mm -hmm. she said i'm being prostituted to the defense lawyer there was almost everybody in the line that this child was saying i'm a motherfucking prostitute mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't care and then also mm-hmm. not going too deep or not too far ahead but the judge is a huge reason why she was tried as an adult because he's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> and you know and it's and, and the fact when you were talking about the judge the freaking lawyer she didn't have a guardian at litem right and that is like the biggest reason why the pro bono lawyer who took her case later on was able to bring it to Supreme yep. Court because not only no one recognized to call on this safe harbor law, mm-hmm. you know, and also all the people that were saying that she said this, but the <clears throat> she was never appointed a guardian at litem. So you have a 15 year old who's supposed to explain what human right. trafficking is to professionals right. when she, she herself know what human trafficking exactly. was exactly mm-hmm. exactly um and then the po oh my god the po which i work alongside po's all day and they do great work well the girls support po especially because they're specific to re- look at these Good. indicators yeah. she literally said she was reporting to check-ins there was like one time when she was the po was like cited for mentioning not cited but reported saying yeah they you know when she started to come in she was like changing wearing different clothes they started to be less and less she was wearing makeup so when we when people in the anti-trafficking community are literally telling everybody in the community these are factors to look for homie was still going to school he told her no you cannot um you Mm. you cannot go to school you got to keep working and she's like no i at the end of the day i want to go to school and he's like no okay well he started raping her and beating her and there was one time when she reported that he locked her in the basement to show her like you're not going anywhere you're here to make this money for me Mm -hmm. and you know when the grooming is over it's too late and that's something that later you guys can talk about is a significant trauma bond and like you said now there's somebody that they feel indebted to, which because no one was able, no one was providing this type of stuff for her before. This looks like what you're supposed to do. Well, I guess mm-hmm. I'm supposed to do this now for them because they took me in and they, you know, right. at least I'm not in the street. It could, it could be worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that PO situation, there was one time I forgot what she claimed, but she literally wanted to stay and maybe in detention or maybe go to a, a locked facility. And he sent another person acting as her fucking caregiver. And they believed yeah. that person. Yeah, they, uh, there was a time before, before obviously before it happened, before the, the um, murder, she was like, put me in juvie. Like I need mm. to go to juvie for safety. Mm. And they're like, no, you don't need it. Like, fuck you. You want her to break the law? Yeah. Should have just fucking broke the law. Exactly. Exactly. So going back real quick into the lifestyle, which can kind of, you know, put more context to situation, which will lead us to talking about what you said earlier about, you know, I don't blame her, but Mm -hmm. okay. So in the trafficking community, like you said, there people, it's not black and white. So actually doing robberies and stickups are part of the game. Like Mm -hmm. it's, we also can call it hit and licks. It's, mm. I mean, they do a lot in the hotel scene where, yeah. you know, they set up, you know, they got these dates from these men and they rob them. It could be before, after, or, you know, sometimes whatever, right. um, you know, so 
at that time, that's probably what the law enforcement were very knowledgeable of. They were probably like, oh, this is another scheme. You know, this is another setup, blah, blah, blah. But for her, these parties were nothing new. He used her as as what we would call a bottom who goes out and recruits other victims who... Um, you know, she her the, her lifestyle is literally being what she said. She called herself her his madam is, um, you know, making sure that he can sell drugs out of that home and sell sex out of that home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's quiet on the, um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying she's quiet in the household, but she does her job, but she's still stripping. So even wow. after the life of stripping, I mean, a lot of strippers, unfortunately, are still in the game and they, mm-hmm. some of them have pimps. They call them managers sometimes, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not uncommon for these parties to be planned so guys can go in there and smoke weed. You know, she's stripping in the house. She's entertaining mm-hmm. them. You know, mm-hmm. if he says, oh, he likes you, you know, she might not see the money exchange at that time, but mm-hmm. she's already going to go have sex with him. And then he's paying, you know, Angelo, or even she is getting this, the the money afterwards. There was one part, I think of the article where she tried to keep some of it in the toilet, um, the part so that he mm-hmm. would, she would at least have some. And that's mm-hmm. again, preparing for her escape. Right. The, at these points, she's already two years in or a year and mm-hmm. a half in, she's mm-hmm. 15. She had, you know, and then all of a sudden an ex that she knows wants to try to help her. And he, he doesn't want to hear about her um, being called a prostitute on the mm-hmm. streets. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's still 15. It's probably, you know, guys that's telling her, telling him that he's seen her in a strip club. Right. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like Deshaun, what's heated at this point? Mm-hmm. Not only is some, you know, low life, old, old behind man. Mm-hmm. you know, perpetrating a vulnerable 15 year old when he's probably like, I could be in this game, but here we got this. He's not loser, right. dude. Exactly. Exactly. And, and also, can I bring the, okay. So disclaimer to, to your listeners, <laughs> Nao and I's episode always ends up with more questions. Like we never <laughs> end up with anything like finite, but why was Deshaun and his friend considered murderers when they were actually rescuing these two one child and a woman from being assaulted right quote unquote voluntary or not like had they been white would they have been like lauded at you know i mean just because they went and under like quote unquote robbery but like maybe that's why it ended up being a murder because they saw the what they were doing to these two women one exactly. girl you know what i mean like but they're still but still in the criminal justice law Deshaun and his friends got like what 21 or life or something and they all, all four of them got life but and then i got curious i was like so one of them died because of the gunshot wound right but the other one was wounded and that's mm-hmm. samuel right the brother mm-hmm. i can't find mm-hmm. anything that says um regarding the activity that was going on at that time, if he was charged or even look into or for raping a 15 year old. Exactly. Exactly. Like nowhere to be found. And even when she appeals to the state back in, when was it? Um, she tried to appeal to the state um, in 2018. Mm. It all concentrates on her and, you know, what they're trying to appeal, but there's nothing to say that these two would have been like, you know, charged with something or, or anything or investigated. And 
Victoria, that's good point. Yeah. So Victoria, like Mm -hmm. you're in, you know, you, you're, you're Mm -hmm. in the courts system like they didn't even try to charge them for anything because like for crimes Mm -hmm. to be brought to to criminal justice court like the cops have Mm -hmm. to be like oh there's something worth charging for then the da has to be like oh yeah we're going to do this but they didn't give a fuck they did not give give a a fuck fuck. about her Mm -hmm. or that 21 year old they just wanted quote unquote yep they just wanted to put people black people right black brown mm-hmm. people in jail for these crimes and not look at systemically what the fuck was going on but then mm-hmm. aliceo aliceo and kearney were they seen as the victims then yeah the two the two men that was perpetrating Gross. those crimes Gross. on the the girl and the yeah they were the mm-hmm. victims they're they were getting justice for them and that's what I'm saying. The judge is POS because mm-hmm. even as the the word was coming up that she was a you know a victim of trafficking and prostitution, like mm-hmm. also let's like talk about the heaviness of that word, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, well, th- but she still needs to be punished for the crime. Fuck you, guy. Like, yeah, seriously. And my personal opinion. Silence- fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and even the silence of the other woman who and she ended up getting 21 years to life to or 15 years to life or something like that and even her voice is silent because she probably was like yeah i'll go in here and help you out sis because you're fucking 15 um i don't want to have sex with this fucking creeper dude trap house fucking yeah whatever the fuck he is and and she probably didn't know it it was a murder plan why would she want to be involved? She can't get right. up. She can't escape that house that fast. That's like, true. Who, she would not be, she would at the end of the day still be an accomplice if she was caught, if they were murdering, right. if they were planned to murder. Right. Them. Like I that's mean, why I'm like I don't I ain't no lawyer, but that's almost hinting to conspiracy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm no yep. lawyer, but this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Like she literally, like, you know, I'm not saying she, even if she did get money from it or whatever, which she didn't because she literally got arrested, but like she still was having to have sex with this man. And I feel like at the end of the day, there wasn't that much money in the world. It was really, like you said, emphasize on maybe helping her get out Mm. of this. Like, let's tear up this house. Like, let's yeah. take all the drugs he has. Right. Let's take all the money he has. Let's give him a bad name on the on the streets. Let's right. get out of this state. Let's start a new life. Right. I don't, yeah, like, I don't understand. And then also it's, it's just a, the- it's in, a lifestyle, right? Yeah, but like, they just the shit that they're charged her for is- they it just I, I don't understand how even there was like like the evidence like and i don't know this isn't the part to, mm-hmm. to go into all of that like court stuff but i think it's so intertwined to one another mm-hmm. and that's why like mm-hmm. in our podcast it like we hit so many different we try to like explore so many different places that end up opening up so many more cans of worms because that's reality of just the fucked up system of america and the oppression um, the the oppressiveness of these systems is like why was she even on trial like why was she even mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. one I'm so glad I'm not good for her for not pleading guilty mm-hmm. right because if she pled guilty she wouldn't have even gone to trial did she plead guilty I think she I think she Fuck. did so did she when I know I think when she was talking in the wrongful conviction yeah she said that there were so many people no you're right she said she wasn't going to plead guilty because okay. she had a sister she really okay. wanted to be there for mm. um but 
even so with her pleading not guilty they still wanted to seem like try try her as an adult you know that's I mean? right yes that's where yeah. the judge even, was being an asshole and was like yeah because to go like, to adult court because like why when was she even if she had planned to set this up as an escape set up my dad at the end of the day it was to rob him yeah. it was to rob him not exactly kill him where was the um what is it intent or not the, intent um, yes it's a, yeah, yeah. Well, why would there was no intent for murder mm-hmm. which should be second degree murder from my understanding mm-hmm. of svu <laughs> and, <laughs> and also also for the for the 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 trigger person right like whoever pulled mm-hmm. the trigger was their intent there because if it was crime of passion, that should have been a lesser mm-hmm. charge also. Oh, look at you. For real. So, so the lazy work was none of that. Let's just give them all because they're fucking they're black. guilty and they're black. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, fuck that judge. <laughs> like, oh, God. The Sex Workers Outreach Project Behind Bars is seeking volunteers for an ongoing research study aimed at amplifying the voices of consensual sex workers and victims of trafficking. Specifically, we are looking for people who have been convicted of prostitution or trafficking-related charges, people who have traded erotic or sexual services, or people who have been a victim of sex trafficking. If you live and work in the U.S. and you'd like to volunteer for this research project, then accessing our online survey is your first step. You can also find more information about this project by visiting the Swap Behind Bars study information page. Please also reach out to me, Jill McCracken, if you have any questions. Links for the survey, the study information page, and my email are available on Unseen's website and their link tree. gonna talk about this sad shit that happened most recently and can i just say you know um you know kierica if you hear us we love you sis i'm just saying when you get out because you should be you you should not have to finish the rest of your sentence that's just Mm -mm. just disgusting we're hoping when you get out you can kind of like talk to us or whatever because i heard that just two months before this happened she literally was at the shared hope international conference getting a freaking award yeah in dc and i know a lot of our fellow survivors went there and Mm. you know and she has been reported as being so smart even when she Mm -hmm. was in jail for that what was this um nearly a decade she was in jail Mm -hmm. like we talked about earlier um before we wanted to do this episode it was like we can't expect the system to have gave her the right everything the right therapy, mm-hmm. the right counseling, the right decision-making skills, the right education, the right healing, the right resources. Right. She even wanted to fix the curriculum or create a curriculum to help the justice system for other survivors. Cause she even mm-hmm. had reported to like reach out to the investigator. Like, what can I do better? Because y'all ain't shit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and while, while she was better. Yeah. And while she was um, during the seven years, she was facilitating like support groups mm-hmm. for other yep. um, sex trade mm-hmm. survivors also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to, and I really want to highlight again, I do want to highlight Jessica's work. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to summarize. I'm only going to pick out pieces of her article and give it to you all like a verbal 
report so that y'all ain't, you know, if y'all ain't got time, that's okay. <laughs> y'all ain't going to go to this article from the Washington Post um, Washington Post in April, but Jessica does write on this situation and she does speak facts on it. So that's why I want to share her words. Um, um, so here we are nearly two years after being freed by Ohio's governor. She has been sent back to prison. Martin's commutation was revoked in February after she violated the conditions of her parole. The Ohio governor at that time, right? He did not grant her full clemency mm. so instead which she is was bullshit to all right so she was ordered to remain on parole for at least 14 years parole can you just you can you imagine she can't make one freaking mistake can a homie like live uh, like after all that shit? years right so she was required to wear an ankle monitor she couldn't leave the state without permission okay and she was subject to random checks from the parole officers Mm, okay mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. right so here's the situation during one of those checks martin was at her apartment with two men the parole officers along with police how they know to come with police people how they know to come with police i'm just saying how often is that happening come on this was a random check or no right conducted a search of the apartment that turned up 20 grams 26 grams of cocaine 45 grams of marijuana and two firearms because she was on parole y'all she martin didn't have to be convicted of these crimes under Mm. um you know in order to have the consequences um and a prosecutor doesn't have to prove that the items in the apartment even belong to her under her freaking terms of her release she could not possess or this is how they got her have mm-hmm. under her control firearms or illegal substances. Like let's look at control. What the hell is that? What the fuck? Um, I mean? But because she, Oh, the apartment was hers and mm-hmm. the items were found in her home. It was hers under her control. Okay. But she has an attorney this time. Um, no, her attorney good. this time argued at the hearing that, she did not even know the drugs or guns were or guns were in her apartment. And she did believe that one of the uh, men who were arrested, the 41 year old, um, it, um, she didn't know that at first it, it was even his. But it turns out that it, I think it is the, bo- the boyfriend and, she, mm. and he's 41. So she he had moved in with boyfriend. her. Yep. She has a 41 boyfriend, which brings me to my next point. Um, so he is 41 moving in with her okay so all of the contraband or those freaking items were found in literally moving boxes and stuff that was his it was like wow. his he moved it couldn't in, so they're not hers been How more objectively right it couldn't have <laughs> been more objectively it's like literally in a box labeled not keys shit <laughs> Exactly, literally. Um, so she could actually remain in prison for the rest of her life <gasps> no. because she's one not even able to go to the parole board until November twenty thirty four. After, after serving the twenty one years from her original from the original crime. Where's Kim Kardashian West, ma'am? Yep. Hello, are you back? <laughs> because- Hello, are you there? <laughs> are you there? Um, I do want to say, I do want to say something again in, um, Key's words that she mentioned 
because now this is going to bring in um, an important conversation about healing and just the difficulty of having a journey. She was only out for freaking two years. Like um, she's not the perfect person, um, but she literally said in an interview supervised by the warden, she said that I'm struggling to adjust to the reality that I'm no longer free. I believe that I was living the successful life of a 23-year-old. I had my own car. I had a dog. I had two jobs. And I had a boyfriend that supported me. I was at mm-hmm. peace. Mm. Yep. So that's where we are today. Yeah. That is heartbreaking. And I and, and I think, too, like none of it is her fault. Like, I think that like may seem so, Mm. so simple. Right. But we got Mm -hmm. like Victoria, you had mentioned seeing like comments of like, what is she doing? She just got out and don't you learn Mm -hmm. your lesson, blah, blah, blah. None of this shit was her fault at Mm -hmm. all. Even to the point of like the boyfriend, because let's talk about, I don't know anything about him, but 41, Mm -hmm. like who knows what game he was spitting at her, right? That mm-hmm. could have been a re-traumatization mm-hmm. of what she experienced with um Kearney. So like so I, I mean think- because he's moving in with her and he got drugs and guns with him. And- she doesn't know you you can't yeah. easily break a lifestyle like that. One, she's trying to heal right. from the crime in prison for six, seven years, like you said. Mm-hmm. And the therapy probably wasn't even addressing trafficking yet. It was addressing other shit. And then we don't know yet if she fully understood healthy relationships. Yeah. So like you said, where is the piece psychologically that you might expect for her to find another angel, just like you freaking said? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes girls of color, they're seen as more grown or very adulterized, uh, in comparison with other ethnic groups and also with other, you know, with other genders. So now we're thinking of her as a full grown adult, but she never got a chance to be a child. So she's going to keep reenacting. She's going to keep using her survival skills because they kept her safe as much as possible before being in prison. Right. It's no surprise now that, yeah, she's going to look for safety where she knows it. Mm-hmm. So, and even like the court psychologist, when she's appealing, he says he testified that Martin had a bad experience in terms of possible kidnap and was involved with dancing, something that she learned possibly under very adverse conditions. I don't think there's probability or possible here. It is fact that right. she probably ended up filling up the whole ACE questionnaire. Oh, sis. Yes, that question is she probably mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, hot, hot for all of them. Mm-hmm. So to mm-hmm. say that all of this is uh, like we are not navigating hypotheticals here. We're talking about a real life. Right. And I think it is important, too. I, I, I touched with um, touch base on this with Victoria offline. But like, let's think about when she went to prison at she eventually went to prison after um, the trial at 17 was it is that when she went or was it even younger but regardless right like Mm -hmm. teenage emotional intelligence and develop brain development without the trauma 
dumb, right? Like, nor, like us, like teenagers are, are just, you're the top, the part of your brain's not fully developed yet. On top of trauma, complex trauma, and then put her into prison, right? Although she did say she thrived in prison, which that's wonderful. And she did thrive. She got her GED. She was, you know, facilitating and all that stuff. She, you bring her out. She's going to revert right back to it. Like what Nao said is that survival mode at 15, because she doesn't have that same routine and the same folks that are going to keep her safe. So I think for me is to come out of this episode with compassion for her and her, her, her story and that she's still the victim right just because she got this second chance like that doesn't give her again this perfect life that you know she she tried her best she did her best she didn't even just try she did her best unfortunately there's still things out of her control that is taking advantage of her and that's the justice system that's the social systems that hasn't helped her fully and also the people in her life too yeah, and a second chance doesn't make up the multiple failures. Absolutely. So she's yeah. the only one that hasn't had the opportunity to, to have the uh, yeah the opportunity to just have human experience and make mistakes because it goes double for her. And she can't with the fucking parole. Like, like that's a whole nother system that I can go off about. Is that like? Homegirl can't have a mistake or even be around a mistake that is somebody else's without having to go to prison for it. Like that's just and another it was system. Never her, and that was never her environment. That was never her upbringing. Was, exactly. She, one person she talked about was her grandmother. She even talked about her younger sister who was still around with her parents, who she really wanted to be there for. She mm-hmm. actually, you know, some of her, um, during her trafficking, she used that money to give, to her family and so like what people are we trying to reference that she could be around where she might be responsible for their mistakes this is a prime fucking example yeah and why why she continue to be punished like was not the time of her being trafficked punishment enough that she never deserved anyways like what Mm -hmm. the fuck so sorry guys yeah (laughs) there was no healing in this episode where's the trauma-informed care approach right yeah yep yep it's fucking telling her story isn't Mm -hmm. that sad it's like me listening to these podcasts her being able to share her story her being able to tell people that yeah she's not perfect but this the being able to have the opportunity to be out and Mm -hmm. have opportunity to yeah okay random check-ins but at the end of the day this was never a random check-in you came with police and it sounds like you guys were watching her or you were watching you were watching him yeah exactly exactly what point was it entrapment for her i listened Mm -hmm. to true crime podcast like what at what point was she yeah no no appeal if you're listening to this appeal (laughs) (laughs) hey hey lawyer miss jennifer lady can you help her like yeah so if if i could share a quote that i found that she said um that i think is again the resiliency that black women and women of color have to carry because there's always a fight with everything right but she even wrote 
or even said every butterfly has to fight out of its cocoon. It just doesn't crack open for you. You have to fight to reach that beauty. So don't give up. Hmm. That's beautiful. Even when she got out like two years ago, she did say she like hopes to publish her poetry, her poems mm-hmm. about everything that she experienced and like give her time to do that shit. Like that, you know, all of these goals she's not able to meet in a matter of freaking time. Like what time frame are you guys on? Are you still dictating her freaking life? She's still, like you said, continuing to be victimized. And like you said, there's no there's no guarantee that there's trauma informed care in that prison. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there, what she's going to have a therapist. We don't know, you know, the, the years that she's going to have fighting this, what other areas of like healing or support she can have. Right. Um, And, and also, yeah, cool. DeWine, like uh, whomever, you know, gave her clemency. (laughs) Ohio governor. Yeah. He didn't even grant her full clemency. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, whatever, like to, to keep her on probation for 14 fucking years. Like that's still, that's still a ball on chain. Like she wouldn't be here if she was given full clemency and said, you are a victim, right? For you to still continue to have her on parole, like probation, to have a parole officer, to have this like fake ass accountability, which is another system of oppression. Um, that's not trauma informed care. That's not acknowledging the trauma that she went through. So it's just ongoing criminalization. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. We don't have to include this in the podcast or not, but as you're saying this, I think of Jeffrey Epstein and the majority mm. of women that came forward. And um, and a lot of people forget that the federal government looked into Jeffrey Epstein and for some well, not now weird reasons. We know why. Um, he got a pass, right? Where he just would go throughout the day to jail and so <gasps> not even jail. He was working in his That's fucking <laughs> mansion. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically saying like they can have all these exceptions and all of these different types of um avenues for, you know, white, rich white, white men. men or just mm-hmm. white men in general, you know. Yeah, you don't even gotta be rich. <laughs> And then I think at that time too, sadly and just awful, um, that some of the the survivors and victims were also uh, children, like they were girls, and they were recruiting for them. And I'm reading like the appeals here, and that's one of the things that they kind of hold against her. Like you were recruiting for Kearney, right? And I'm thinking like you know, but if you Mm. compare them to other highly publicized Mm -hmm. cases, like. This is common in the, in trafficking. It's very common. Like I to like mentioned earlier, to survive. I mean, the bottoms, now they have a role in this family structure, right. you know? And where the hell was your fucking sons, these teenage boys that you so-called, like she was looking for? Like they were probably in the game. They were probably in their life too. Like the yeah. environment yep. was not intended to support her and heal her. And there's no, there's, there's no surprise that this is going to be her lifestyle after, but she literally said that I'm at peace. She's not being raped. She's not forced to give her money to somebody else. I think one of her jobs she said was like a hostess or like pizza delivery, something. I mean, how many people we know got two or three jobs just doing it and making ends meet. And she found somebody that loved her who didn't beat her. Like she said she was at peace. And you know what? 
from talking to you guys? Does she even know what peace is? It's probably yeah. just not being raped. Yeah. Or beat down. Yep. Choice. It's choice. Yeah. I I want to be with this 41 year old. And and I'm not saying 41 to be like a, like an asshole. Like I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I'm just saying like with this man, like she is, she's choosing to be with him. Right. Like still not the best choices, but like she's also learning, like you said, Victoria, like she doesn't know what healthy relationship is yet. And who was to say that that relationship wasn't healthy. Yeah, also, many, I don't want to make assumptions. How many people we had? Exactly. How many people we had that didn't work out? We find out till later Too on. many. <laughs> Too damn many. Maybe <laughs> the, not the Mayo. Divorce but... rate, I know the divorce rate is crazy right now. Okay? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Which goes on to say, uh, right, like under the public eye, who gets to mm-hmm. go to the through the fires of hell and have your life analyzed like that. I mean, we probably wouldn't even be talking here if like freaking Kim Kardashian didn't help her in the first place. So we're even lucky to get to talk to, I mean, about her case and like to hear her that she was even, you know, able to be free, even to be on parole, but you're right. Like, Mm -hmm. hello, Kim, we, we need you back because if you're going to be able to bring the attention to the matter, think about all the people who, you know, um, need, need this type of, uh, headline, this type Mm -hmm. of support. Um, and at least her story is being talked about. Right. And I think too, it also like the accountability of just how shitty the systems are. Like we know the systems are are awful, right? Like, and and, and I also stopped saying the system's broken. No, it ain't. It, it was built to be like that. It was built to oppress. Mm-hmm. I think we need to also, with the celebrity status, also acknowledge the systems, right? This parole, cool clemency, but like she's just gonna be on. Like that's wild to me that like she is still on probation for 40 why she didn't do anything she didn't fucking do anything wrong like if anything she was she had to she was raped she was raped that night she was a interrogated she was a victim through and through yeah she was nine years old yep per safe harbor laws that was Mm. that that was supposed to be expunged but they but i want to say the judge refused to because it was like mm -hmm. oh they they couldn't find that it was related oh my god exactly that's why i like we can literally talk about this oh yeah because when i kept reading (laughs) it almost every freaking (laughs) article i was disgusted yeah i could not believe that this was said and then there was another article that even said the prosecutors at that time are still standing behind yes the, the, her oh my god i couldn't believe it i was like you but she knew what she was white. doing you are white <laughs> you are not right you are white so sit down somewhere but you know what it yep. also brings me to the um i'm working on the sex workers outreach project with um mm. dr jill mccracken and she wow. is actually having a research study for um these kind of situations of the um she calls it the cw uh oh. sh the crw it's like the complex wrongs and rights survey and it's really intended to speak to those who are victims or convicted of prostitution um mm-hmm. and trafficking or other related charges um and the systems keep saying that they're changing 
Um, and I think actually on the wrongful conviction podcast, one of the other speakers that was on there, she's on like policy. She was mm-hmm. like, this is not a criminal justice system. This is criminal law. There's no justice. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. you know, even with the safe Harbor law being enacted at the time, we don't have the education. She was telling the lawyer about it. She was telling that, you know, that social worker and that PO to do their own freaking research to stand and fight for them. She didn't have anybody to fight for them. So when mm-hmm. do we get these legislation, this legislation and all these laws passed and all these changes when nobody wants to enforce it? There right. aren't people at the table who care enough to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so many more cases. Uh, and that's why the study is so important because, I mean, there's so many that we haven't heard of, heard from. Yep. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah, here we are, Victoria. We're a bunch of bummers. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't solve any crime. No, I'm sorry. We weren't. We're not. We are bringing to light her story. We used her quotes. We wish she was here today. Mm -hmm. We hope that she can find some, um, you know, peace in the next couple of years. How long it takes for her case to be? What do they call it? Like, kind of like re looked at. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I don't know. I hope it's just overturned or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what see, the options you. are. You're using all the terms that we went blank on. Yeah, overturned or whatever. <laughs> I mean, they brought her case to Supreme Court last time, so she. Mm-hmm. I mean, she at least got the attention that some people have never been afforded. Yeah. So. Yeah. Any closing? Look, I was going to say any closing arguments. <laughs> Yes, um, your honor. <laughs> Let her go. SEPOs, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want her out. We want her out. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I really do appreciate you, you guys being here and, um, and being a guest on our podcast and helping me talk about this case because it really was important for me um, to have her survivor voice because she was so about the survivor community and we know all of the all the survivors aren't healing in the way in which we can support each other. We have our pieces, like her awareness, her Mm -hmm. story, her poetry is helping others. And now she's like incarcerated again. And, you know, it's just going to be another journey. But so I thank you for at least bringing this to light in a different perspective, because all the articles are are a little bit more judicial and criminal justice centered, like focused. And it's really hard to read. There's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some articles, like I said, by the Washington Post that talk about her prior traumas and, you know, why we are advocating so hard for her and even why her case was brought to the, you know, Kardashians and and featured on the wrongful conviction podcast. Like things like that are why it's important to just like have it on different platforms as many as Mm -hmm. they can. So I'm glad to like be like the third podcast featuring her story, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) And you guys fourth. So, you know, we got, we're getting hitting two birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. And I'm hoping part two is when she's free. Oh, that would be amazing. She can mm-hmm. be, she could, uh, you know, be here present with us. Hey, it's Victoria. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. 
Thank you for being a part of hearing and listening to voices that were often unheard, underrepresented, and feeling as though their stories weren't seen, heard, or believed. And I hope that you stay tuned for another episode of survival stories, controversial conversations, and coverage of stories that never really make it to headlines. All right, check y'all back for next Friday, Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast. Thank you.